welcome to Wrestling at Random. I'm Jeremy Deemer. And I am Adam Summers. And this is season three of the podcast, where we dump all of the wrestling content out there on the internet into the randomizer. We fire it up. The randomizer picks a show at random, and we watch it. And it could be anything. Yeah, it could be anything from the territory days, WWF slash WWE, WCW, ECW, uh, anything from all around the world, all it has to be is more than 10 years old. Otherwise, everything is fair game. Uh, more than 10 years old as we record this. Yeah, and we went uh, <laughs> exactly 10 years ten years back yeah. to this one. As, the newest uh, show chronologically, I think, that we've ever recorded for this podcast. Yeah, we dumped uh, new for season three was Ring of Honor content. And we had... uh, the randomizer had pulled a ring of honor pay-per-view final battle 2008. We did that earlier here in season three. Tremendous show, two part podcast. If you haven't gone back and listened to it, uh, just great wrestling up and down that card. Um, And if you're going to listen to it, listen to part one (laughs) and part two, who are these people that listen to just part two? I, I, unacceptable it drives me dozens more downloads at least if not more than that dozens more downloads for part two than part one it's something that is always vexing for jeremy we had a drives me nuts in season one with wrestlemania 19 19. yeah wrestlemania 19 part two was one of our most downloaded episodes and i you had to go down the list to find part one and i was outraged then and so, so we released it across two weeks hoping to yes. give people time and they wouldn't skip right to the second one no they said but too many people it's so so strange go, uh, talk but, about <laughs> sorry go ahead yeah no i'm just gonna say i'm not gonna do a history uh, of ring of honor here because we did it in part one at the beginning of part one so i want you to go and listen to final battle ring of honor 2008 part one and you will hear us talk a little bit about how Ring of Honor got here, and how it got owned by Sinclair Broadcasting, which is uh, where this TV show would air, Ring of Honor TV, October fifteenth, twenty eleven. This was a this was airing on Sinclair Broadcasting stations, which we did not have one in Chicago. This no, this did no, not exactly. air in Chicago where we both live. And Ring of Honor was one of the strong, or Chicago, I should say, was one of the strongest cities for Ring of Honor, but Ring of Honor TV was not available here. This show is from the first TV taping for uh, Ring of Honor on Sinclair Broadcast Group, uh, Chicago Ridge. This is episode four. So this is the fourth week of TV from that taping. I was at this show, Jeremy, and I can tell you without a doubt, this was the most frustrating wrestling show that that i ever was at the the wwf house show or wwe house show i went to in i think november or december of 2003 was probably the most soul-crushing show i ever went to but this one it they had so many technical problems throughout the show it was basically the format ended up being like five minute match 30 minute break eight minute match <laughs> oh my 25 God. minute break this went on and on and on the show started late and they just were having technical problem after technical problem so they just had to keep waiting to start each match and there were outside of the match that unfortunately was on the previous week's tv uh than the one that we recorded uh, that we watched here for this podcast 
there were not a lot of like real, real high end matches. So it's, uh, I remember I went, a couple of my friends went and my dad went with me. And I think my dad left like after like an hour and a half into the show. Cause he just couldn't take like sitting around waiting that long between matches, which I don't blame him. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I was tempted to leave too, to be quite honest. Interesting note uh, here in October of 2011, Dave Lagana was hired by WWE as director of creative writing. Yeah. He at the time was doing TV, social media, and iPay-per-view for Ring of Honor at this time. Well, and this is also the time period where this was basically Jim Cornette's Ring of Honor. Jim Cornette had had a major role along with Gary Juster in Ring of Honor getting the Sinclair deal, uh, you know, basically avoiding dying. Uh, this was what saved the company. Uh, but this was Jim Cornette's Ring of Honor, and we'll get into it as far as the TV format is concerned. Jim Cornette's fingerprints are all over this. But before we get to the actual uh, new matches on this show, uh, we get a video package, uh, which is, uh, at first it seems like it's just going to be a recap uh, in brief. And then what we end up getting is a long recap of Davey Richards versus Roderick Strong for the ROH world title from the previous episode. And man, this like three minutes we saw of nonstop highlights, I am angry with the randomizer that this is not uh, the episode that we got because this looked awesome. And it's my one memory other than being frustrated live was that this was a really, really good 20 minute, uh, 20 minute or so match, albeit with a uh, very frustrating lead to the finish, which I'm sure you're going to mention. Yeah, no, this match looked awesome. Uh, Richards got the tap out uh, and he got the tap out with an ankle lock. This this match looked fantastic and I was very they did everything <laughs> and I was pissed at the randomizer too because I had immediate uh flashbacks to when the randomizer pulled a uh was it a UWF episode uh where the mid-south episode Mid -South. that was like the yeah. week after that incredible <laughs> DiBiase flair uh yeah we just missed that episode that's considered one of the greatest episodes of televised weekly wrestling ever and we missed it by a week here uh, we miss what sure as hell uh, looked like, and if my memory is correct, was a hell of a title match between Roderick Strong and Davey Richards, but I guess at least we got this three-minute recap. Yeah, so the randomizer does us one again by getting us the week after something cool happened. <laughs> um, so this this show took place, uh, uh, this show aired on October 15th, and on October 10th, just five days earlier from when the show aired, Ring of Honor champion Davey Richards and Rocky Romero won the IWGP Junior Tag Titles from Prince Devitt and Taguchi. No remorse core, correct? Yes, absolutely. One of the, uh, one of the, uh, the many ROH stables uh, at this time period, but there were also uh, the no remorse core in New Japan. So, like you mentioned, we're at the Frontier Fieldhouse in Chicago, Illinois. Chicago Ridge, Illinois. Don't forget the Ridge. That's right. This is, this is not Chicago. It's <laughs> Chicago Ridge, which uh, my lasting memories of going to that building were very hard to find parking if you didn't get there like an hour and a half early. And then there was a pizza place uh, in the strip mall uh, down the street. Yeah. 95 to 99% of the Ring of Honor shows took place at the Frontier Fieldhouse in Chicago Ridge, Illinois. And then they had a couple of shows that took place at like the Windy City Fieldhouse in Logan one, Square in which Chicago. Is, 
it's hilarious now because like that's one of my targets that I go to is right yes. across the street <laughs> from the Windy City Fieldhouse. And so whenever I see it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's that one weird ROH show that was like an afternoon show, if I'm not mistaken. Well, they had they like had intramural basketball going in on the other half and, and like soccer a soccer game was, was a soccer was, game. Yeah. yeah, they had the curtain down, uh, like the divider down and you had like so homicide weird. cursing people out. And then on the other side, they're like, eight-year-olds kicking soccer balls around. Uh, it was uh, quite the vibe. So, yeah, so here we're at the Frontier Fieldhouse, uh, and Nigel McGinnis and Kevin Kelly are your announced team, your commentators. They welcome us to the show in the ring, run down what we're going to see, and this is the first time we get a crowd shot, and I'm shocked at how empty this this building looks usually i'm used to the i'm used to the bleachers being pretty full for uh, a ring of honor show here but based on your recap this uh might might have been more people than your dad that left well for sure and this emptied out as the night went along even though they taped this if my memory is correct in order and so we're we're about five and a half hours into that taping as this is you've already seen davy richards and roderick strong yes like that, that, that wasn't the main event of the taping. Now you're going to see the all night express. So no, I think a lot of people left after that match. Got it's it. also weird in that the setup is different from any other show they had done in Chicago at that time period where always it, it, the ROH production obviously wasn't great back then, but the hard cam was always, if there was one, uh, was pointing toward the bleachers. Whereas here it's pointing away from the normal field house bleachers to like these makeshift aluminum bleachers that are maybe at this point about 30% full as uh, Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGinnis are in the ring running down what we're going to see on the show. We get a backstage interview with the Briscoes. They start talking about chickens. Uh, (laughs) They they stink like Haas and Benjamin. They're not rednecks and they've got a plan and they say it like Briscoes. This was They say they're... They've been picking up chickens uh, since 5 a.m. since they were knee-high to a pit Like ant. 400 dead chickens or something. They yes, were, yeah. They talk 180 degrees with 20-pound stinky chickens. And they say they've been, been here since day one, doing it for nine years. Mark Briscoe is mostly gums and few teeth. <laughs> Jay says, meanwhile, don't think of us as two dumb rednecks, yet they are wearing all Confederate flag gear, so... <laughs> yep. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so... Let's talk about the Briscoes for a minute. Uh, they, they are they they're a team that you know outside of a just you know a couple of New Japan matches, you just associate with being Ring of Honor the whole time. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, I think their most noteworthy thing that they did during this time period was actually in Pro Wrestling Noah in Japan, where they won the GHC Junior Tag Titles. Uh, did several tours there, you know, really uh, got over, which didn't always happen with teams uh, from the outside coming into pro wrestling Noah. But, you know, you look at the wrestling re- uh, landscape during this time and there was really like, this should have been a launching pad, but there was really nowhere for them to launch too. They weren't going to get a job in WWE. Uh, and there was really, you know, nothing else, I guess, maybe TNA, but I think that probably would have been a sideways move at this point. So they just stayed in ring of honor. Yeah, it's surprising that, I mean, we know that WWE and, and their philosophy on tag teams, but like, you know, the Briscoes both could do 
singles things. Uh, I'm surprised that uh, neither of them uh, at least like tried to, or at least signed with WWE at some point for, for I think a they bit. got close. If I, if I remember correctly, they did get close and there were some issues with uh, some things they had said, uh, some, <laughs> you know, some things they had tweeted, things that were sure. not good at all. Um, and totally understandable why a company would steer clear of them. Um, but, you know, when it comes to in-ring talent alone, if that's your only criteria, uh, you know, they, they were, you know, definitely main event level uh, tag team talent for sure. And like you said, also uh, very good singles wrestlers, particularly Jay. The opposite of main event level tag team talent. Oh, God. The All Night Express, the team of <laughs> Red Titus, a favorite of this podcast. Oh Red Titus and Kenny King. <laughs> Not the opposite of the Briscoes when it comes to staying in Ring of Honor, however. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Ring of Honor shutting down in 2021. Uh, and somehow Rhett Titus, I assume, is still the lone contracted talent. Uh, <laughs> Forever. It's like a Rocky Romero clothesline. <laughs> so so uh, the, the Briscoes come out. Their opponents come out. Titus says that he thinks of the Briscoes every time he brushes his teeth because yeah, well, he's we got get, a scar it, on his head from the Briscoes. Rhett Titus is saying this in another sit-down backstage promo. We have this pre-tape promo from the Briscoes. They're sitting down, uh, you know, like just in a little studio. And then, you know, we get another, we get a similar promo from the All Night Express. And this is where, after the Briscoes, I noted that, like, the idea, the format for this show, it's, again, Jim Cornette's fingerprints are all over it. It feels very familiar. They're going for a territory-style format for this show. But they do not have the roster to pull off that type of wrestling TV show format. And the first sign of it is uh, this uh, Rhett Titus, Kenny King promo. These guys for a team that's the all night express and they're not great in the ring and they're supposed to be more characters than anything. Uh, not compelling. No. And especially after following the same sit down type of promo that the Briscoes did, they should have done this yes. in, in the other order. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Cause 100%. these guys can't follow the Briscoes. Um, we get, Davy Richards and Kevin Kelly hyping up live events coming out of a commercial break. Yes, this is straight up local TV promo, <laughs> uh, local show promo style again from uh, uh, from the territory days. Uh, it's very generic though, where it's Kevin Kelly basically saying, uh, "We'll be coming to a city a city near you uh, where you watch Ring of Honor on local television." And again, I'm in Chicago, I'm like, "No, you're not." <laughs> I can't watch you on TV, so I haven't seen this. So I can't react to this. Back from commercial, we get the tail of the tape. For about a second and a half. <laughs> I had to pause it uh, because I wanted to read it. And the... If you put something on the screen that ostensibly you want people to read and they have to pause it to be able to read through it, you did it wrong. <laughs> the, the thing of note from this tale of the tape is the Briscoes are 26 and 27 years old, respectively. And they've each been wrestling for about 10 years at this point, because the whole deal with, with Jay and Mark Briscoe was when I first saw them in CZW getting CZW tapes in the early two thousands, they, uh, I can't remember which state it was. It was either Pennsylvania or maybe it was New York, but Mark couldn't wrestle in one of the States because he wasn't 18 yet. The athletic commission wouldn't allow it. So on some shows, only Jay could wrestle. Yeah, 26 and 27 right here, and you're spot on. The tale of tape says 11 years experience. <laughs> Unbelievable. 
So we start out with Jay and Kenny, and he gets immediately sent to the Briscoes' corner where they put the boots to Kenny King. On the outside, the Briscoes just beating on Kenny. They throw Kenny toward the ring, and he jumps up on the apron, does a flip dive off the apron onto Jay as Titus comes over and starts attacking Mark. Yeah, Titus tries to do something high-flying, but it's nowhere near as impressive uh, as what Kenny King did. I can't see Kenny King without getting mad, though, because I just think of him ruining our Jushin Liger Great Muda moment at the Ring of Honor New Japan Madison Square Garden show in 2019. I will never get over that. I will never forgive him for that. Yeah, the crowd at this show is uh, slapping the metal barricades signs in approval. That's something. Don't do that. that. (laughs) If you're a fan, do not do that. I went to a Ring of Honor show in uh, Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. It was a Milwaukee suburb. I believe this was it was a double shot weekend. I think this was the night before Joe Punk 2. And I was second row. Uh, the front row, the person in front of me was not there. There was a dive that happened right in front of us that I went to slam the, uh, the barricade and I broke a bone in my hand. Oh my God. Don't (laughs) do it. If someone else imports, uh, the sheet metal after ring of honor closes down, if that does in fact happen, uh, do not do that. (laughs) Back in the ring, drop toe hold into a drop kick double team on Mark Briscoe. More double-teaming by the All Night Express, but in not that spectacular of a fashion. It's that deal where like a team that's not good enough to be doing the things they try keeps trying the things. Uh, that's pretty much the All Night Express. Backdrop attempt, but Mark on his feet. But Titus is there, catches him in an inverted atomic drop, followed by a clothesline from Kenny King. Jay from behind hits Titus and both Briscoes are in with clotheslines in the corner. Then we get a high low taking Titus down. Yes, that was great. Uh, a lot of the, the offense from uh, the all night express was not great, but this uh, chop block, I think it was a chop block clothesline combination, uh, almost a variation on the total elimination. Uh, very much like this. Yeah. So we get a, Uh, Just huge chops by Jay Briscoe and Titus. The Briscoes are in control. Clothesline in the corner and immediately a bulldog followed up by Mark Briscoe for a two count. We also find out uh, from Kevin Kelly on commentary that that Red Titus has a chronically ruptured eardrum from a previous match with the Briscoes. That sounds like the worst injury ever. (sighs) Oh. Yeah. It just keeps rupturing. It's horrible. <laughs> no, thank you. Like I broke my hand being a fan at a wrestling show. So I clearly I was not cut out to try to ever become a wrestler. Uh, and if I had ever had designs of that hearing this, no, thanks. Mark with Titus on the top turnbuckle. Mark looks like he's going for a Frankensteiner, but it's countered into a snake eyes. This was pretty cool. Yes, yes, that was one of the uh, uh, one of the few nice things here from Rhett Titus. He just slips out from under, hits that. Uh, we get a double hot tag. Uh, Kenny King running wild. It's a capture suplex uh, that that Kevin Kelly calls a head and leg suplex. He Kevin Kelly, he was better here by far than he was in his WWF days, but this wasn't quite the New Japan Kevin Kelly of a few years later. 
It wasn't, but he's still so much better than uh, a lot of uh, the commentators out there. You could see that uh, it's it's still amazing that he was out of work for as long as he was as a commentator. Yes, Yes. and he clearly, he brought the, not only the professionalism, but the enthusiasm to this broadcast that almost everything else about the broadcast didn't bring, from the crowd to the production values to the camera work. Uh, he was the thing that was holding it together. So I definitely give him credit for that. No, absolutely. The production value was horrendous. So having professional announcers like Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGuinness made a a huge difference to to help you look past some of the production limitations. Nigel was was great for a guy who was fresh off of being a wrestler and had not done much commentary before outside of the occasional guest commentary spot. Like he did on that final battle 2008 show. They were a a great broadcast duo here. Mark pulls Jay out of the ring, but King backdrops his own partner over the top, wiping out the Briscoes on the floor back in the ring. We get a spine buster followed by a knee drop off the top rope. Jay hits a big boot on Kenny Mark does a dive to the floor onto onto Titus. Yeah, this was awesome. This was sort of that that fast-paced offense from the Briscoes where, you know, one guy will do one thing and then the other guy hits something that you're not expecting. Like you're not thinking Mark's going to go out to the floor and then he does here. It's one of those spots that you see a lot in modern times that the Briscoes do uh, and other teams do as well where a guy will be on the top rope and you think they're going to jump in the ring, but instead they jump out to the floor to the guy that you don't even realize is out there. Very cool spot. Yeah, especially in 2011. You don't. Yes. You, you weren't expecting that. And then we get the froggy bow, the frog <laughs> splash elbow drop. And so instead yes. of a splash, it's like a flying elbow. But then he's doing the frog mannerisms as he does it. Uh, the ref is distracted. And we get a low blow on Kenny well, King. The ref is distracted because Rhett Titus and Mark Briscoe are brawling. And they're brawling all the way out onto the broadcast table kevin kelly is mad he's got he scr- come voice. on guys he's, not here not on the table <laughs> he's yelling at them he's yelling at the ref but what this does is completely distract the referee and kenny king comes out of the corner and jay briscoe hits him with the most blatant <laughs> low blow you have ever seen in your life i don't even know that a 2000 wcw referee on thunder could have ignored this or like jim malino and ecw he lifts him high into the air with the force of this low blow. Uh, hilarious. Jay gets the pin with a small package after the low blow. Referee Sinclair, Todd Sinclair says. Who is not the owner of the company, by the way. <laughs> not Sinclair Broadcasting, but Todd he's Sinclair. Not broadcast group. <laughs> no, he says, did you kick him in the groin? <laughs> <laughs> he aggressively interrogates these men, uh, particularly with that, that line. Uh, then Rhett tries to go after the Briscoes and Nigel McGuinness says that was a dumb move by (laughs) Rhett Titus. Nigel McGuinness is correct because Rhett Titus gets beat down before we have a pull apart. He's quickly overwhelmed in less than a minute by the Briscoes. (laughs) Yes. Refs hit the ring. We go to commercial uh, and it's a commercial for ringofhonor.com where you can get 20 hours of monthly content for a low price that they don't, uh, they don't specify. After commercial, we get a video package for the ROH World Tag Team Champions. Well, before that, greatest we, get a, tag team. 
we get a we get a video package of sorts. It's Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGuinness ringside. Uh, even though the video quality is so low, you can't make it out. But I am, in fact, in the background on the bleachers, <laughs> still somehow making it through this show uh, five and a half or six hours in. But we get replays. Uh, Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGuinness watch the replay and do, in fact, see that, yes, it was a blatant low blow uh, that caused the finish to that match. Yeah, so uh, video package for wrestling's greatest tag team, the team of Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas, former yeah, so, team angle. Uh, yeah, former team angle, also formerly known as the world's greatest tag team. So that's how they got around the copyright here in Ring of Honor. They called them wrestling's greatest tag team. They talk about all of their amateur credentials. You want, and then they they also talk about uh, how different it is here than when they were in wwe they call it out by name uh yeah they say this shelton says the style is like apples and oranges uh comparing ring of honor to wwe he said that it's the first time he's felt like being a great athlete ever mattered uh, as a pro wrestler which i thought was a a cool line i was amused though as they're going through their credentials and it's like I was the high school wrestling champion. I did this in the NCAA. And then like the big buildup, the final thing that Shelton Benjamin builds up to is I was Brock Lesnar's assistant wrestling coach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that. Let's not small time yourself here, Shelton. You just laid out a bunch of legit accomplishments and then that's what you're finishing with. Uh, but yeah, this, this video package was effective. We get video towards the end of uh, the brutal chair attack uh, from the Briscoes. Uh, to the uh, wrestling's greatest tag team in New York City. Uh, And Charlie Haas ends this promo by saying, up yours, screw you, we're still the best. And as Charlie Haas promos go, that's a very low bar. This is maybe the best I've seen. After commercial again, Jim Cornette does an interview. He says the ref decision is final, but he says his decision is neither team is the number one contender. That's his decision. People in the crowd, I do remember this, were not happy five and a half hours into this taping to find out that the match we just watched Didn't meant matter. nothing. <laughs> it, it, that was not a, a winner for the live crowd. I was amused, though. Uh, Jim Cornette says that uh, they showed the Briscoes the video backstage, and Jay was astonished to find out he kicked the man in the groin and said it was unintentional. That was great. <laughs> Inside Ring of Honor segment. So this is like uh, uh, this it's is like, like WCW like magazine magazine or, segment, yes, or, or the WWF Control Center with Gene Okerlund. Uh, he's in a studio. It's a different studio than the other studio they're doing the backstage things in. He's talking about Eddie Edwards and Michael Elgin. That's going to be the main event here on this TV show. We get like a weird extreme close-up floating head of Jim Cornette uh, cutting a promo. <laughs> Cornette's great here because he's, great. he's doing the. He's doing the job of like everyone else on this show that can't talk. He's he's carrying us through the story. But this is where I remember, I blocked this out of my mind, that the manager that everything revolved around here in 2011 on national television for Ring of Honor was Truth Martini. And this guy, it is the lowest rent indie wrestling manager you have ever seen. Uh, he's like 5'10". He's got this this horrible leathery skin, this terrible hair. He he sounds like a guy playing pro wrestling manager. That's the only way I can describe his really affected voice. He carries around a book that says it's the book of truth. And he's apparently uh, 
What does he call himself? A life intervention expert. So I couldn't place. Uh, I, I, I saw, you know, they're talking about Truth Martini here. And I'm like, oh, this guy seems to suck. But I can't place it in my mind about how much he is not good. And, and they're running through this. And Jim Cornette, like you mentioned, is trying to uh, tell us the story. And he's doing a very effective job for people who just parachuted into this episode uh jim Cornette calls truth martini a con man he says great athletes with a lack of confidence they're the ones that follow truth martini uh truth led roderick strong to the to the world title they talk about michael elgin elgin was involved in that match we didn't mention that in that recap that like three minute video at the top of the program as great as that match was at the end of that video package, we see Truth Martini trying to interfere in the match. And that's right. At that point, I'm like, oh, maybe I don't need to see this whole match again if it's just going to make me that mad. Yeah. And and they cut like where Truth Martini's like kind of talking in an interview segment here. And it, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm getting like Grand Wizard Ernie Roth do not vibes. insult the Grand Wizard, and and right? that and you know how much we do not like the Grand Wizard, Ernie Roth. Particularly here. you, I do, I don't think he's great. You think he's the worst <laughs> the manager worst, you've ever seen in your the life. The worst. He's the Greg the Hammer Valentine of managers. And, <laughs> no, and... absolutely not. Truth Martini is my Greg the Hammer Valentine. <laughs> no, one hundred percent. And thankfully, he's not all over every show like Greg <laughs> the Hammer Valentine has been for several seasons for you. Yeah, but I will say that Truth Martini is horrible. And and I, I think I texted you. I'm like, why is this show all about Truth Martini? And is he as bad as I, I think he is? And you this confirmed was... uh, that he is, in fact, terrible. Uh, so. This was not just a rough week, a bad taping. This was, if you could call, it was peak Truth Martini. But the problem is peak Truth Martini exists in a valley. Yes, he's so... He's a not good manager at all. And like you said, like indie low rent stuff oh, here. The most low rent. <laughs> and and like and then you reminded me he used to be a wrestler. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that had to be horrendous. <laughs> yeah, it's uh not enthused as this went along to see it, like you said, that this show is built around Truth Martini. And it's it just it stands out even more when Truth Martini is cutting these these horrible promos and then Immediately after that, Jim Cornette pops up pops up on the screen basically to like clean up what to do, what Martin to do it saying, right <laughs> to do it right. He's basically doing a reshoot of the promo uh, as a narrator, telling us what Truth you know should have been more effective in saying. Uh, truth has this this I guess his tagline is "You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you mad." And then he does this snarl afterward, and it's just. It's not good. Uh, Michael Elgin is pretty terrible on a promo as well. Eddie Edwards was actually far better in an understated babyface promo here than I would have expected. Davey Richards. Maybe because the bar was just lowered by Elgin and uh, Truth Martini here. (laughs) If you were doing the limbo, you'd have to get to the basement to get under the bar. This was not, not particularly good. Davey Richards, I thought, was fine here. He was Horrible in that pre-tape localized promo thing we saw earlier. He looked terrified. Here he was more conversational. But this this backstage or this this inside ROH, this is where 
I came to the conclusion that I mentioned earlier that this was an effective television wrestling format that this promotion did not have the, the personnel uh, available to them to pull this off in any way, shape, or form, other than Jim Cornette. Correct. Uh, absolutely agree with that analysis. And now we go to the main event. Truth Martini leads Michael Elgin to the ring. Can we talk for a moment about Michael Elgin's entrance gear? Yes, please. He's wearing this like leather entrance jacket. It has a hood and then it has this like leather Velcro face mask that covers his mouth. It looks again, so low rent. Like (laughs) it was one of those things where I'm like, I can't believe they let this on TV, uh, particularly for their first big national TV taping for Sinclair after having been on HD net. And by the way, having been on HD net, this was on, SD net. This is the most standard definition net you've ever seen in your entire life. His opponent is Eddie Edwards. And I was surprised at how popular Eddie Edwards is here. Um, He was in some ways to me, he was one of the last uh, like high end indie guys that hadn't been to ring of honor that then came to ring of honor and really raised his profile. It's like a lot of times after that you had guys who, weren't really at a high level that were presented at being, you know, that high level. Eddie Edwards had done a lot of pro wrestling. Noah, at this point, uh, he was well-traveled and he was being set up to be uh, really their next big star. They're trading forearms, then slaps. They're trading shots until Elgin just runs him over with a shoulder block. Uh, we should also mention at the start of this match, they did have the tell of the tape and stayed up for a few more seconds and very young as well. Michael Elgin, just 24. Uh, Eddie Edwards, 27. I had been seeing Elgin uh, in like 2008, 2009 in IWA Mid-South, like when he was just starting out. And I remember thinking, he was very green, but I was very impressed to seeing him there. Uh, Like there might be something. And then I remember in Ring of Honor, not liking him at all as a wrestler because he had a lot of the elements that can make for a great match, but it felt like, he didn't know where to put any of it. And he was doing like finishing stretch stuff, 30 seconds into a match. And then towards the end of the match, he was slowing stuff down. Uh, and I remember being really not excited at all about him coming into new Japan. And then he completely figured it out from an in-ring perspective. Anyway, obviously not out of the ring, but from an in-ring perspective, figured it out to a pretty high level and had some great matches in new Japan for his run there, but it was, uh, it was was a long road. I would say for him to get to that point, long delayed vertical suplex by Elgin. Elgin beats him down in the corner. And Nigel tells us about Edwards training in the, in the Noah dojo. Edwards tries to arm drag Elgin, but he gets a power counter out of that. Did you know, by the way, that Eddie Edwards is a former GHC heavyweight champion? I did not know that. He held this prior to going to TNA. He uh, he held the same belt that uh, that Kenta Kobashi, Mitsuharu Misawa, <laughs> all these all time greats. Uh, Eddie Edwards, uh, you think of him as a junior heavyweight, particularly in, in Japan standards. Eddie Edwards, former GHC heavyweight champion. Edwards hits an arm drag and a Rana, a roll through into a half crab. Edwards hits a lion salt, gets a near fall. Huge chops by Eddie Edwards. Uh, 
Yeah, they're doing a lot here. We yeah. should mention like this, my notes, usually when I'm taking notes, it's like one line, maybe two lines and then space. And then the next thing, and that usually denotes like moving from one spot to another here. My notes is I'm feverishly trying to keep up, say Eddie tip up and flip goes for arm drag. Elgin stops it and goes for running power slam, but Eddie slips out and catches a back elbow and a second rope flying Rana and an arm drag into the rolling half crab, but Elgin, <laughs> Elgin kicks him off. Eddie with the lion salt only two. And then I'm sure I was getting carpal tunnel. The next line then says, wow, they're doing quite a bit. Yeah, no, they were going a million miles an hour here. Like, immediately. It was weird. They went at that forearm battle at the beginning. There was no build to it. Like the bell no. ring. And then they were just doing this like big Japanese standoff forearm battle. Uh, and it was, they were throwing good forearms, but it just, it felt, it did not feel like a, it, it, like it was in the right place. Elgin misses a charge into the corner. Edwards with a chop to the back, which I always love. Yeah, this is where Nigel McGuinness says that it's either Eddie Edwards or Roderick Strong that throw the hardest chops he's ever felt in his career. I would imagine a chop to the back. Oh, no thanks. Goes up for the double knees, but Elgin catches him and pushes him out of the corner. Elgin runs him into two corners. Hits a throw for a two count. So all big power moves here by by Elgin. Yeah, as we're getting ready to go to commercial, uh, I make a note that Truth Martini, he's not only a, a total zero and embarrassing <laughs> on the promos, but he's doing nothing as a manager. No. I, you, he's just there. He doesn't, he's not pounding the mat. He's not yelling for his guy. He's not distracting the ref. Like he's doing nothing. No, and I feel like we're going to lose Truth Martini as a listener today. <laughs> and I, <laughs> It's possible. It's possible. I feel, yeah, I feel if bad. If he wants to come on the podcast and defend himself, feel free. Uh, if he's a patron... Uh, I know. I'm going to get a. I'm going to we'll get a notice. Hit, we lost a. We lost a, a listener. I don't know if he's a. I, I'm sure he's a listener to the free feed. I don't know if he's a paid listener, but uh, we already lost Greg the Hammer Valentine as a patron pretty <laughs> early. So we did. So I, I expect to lose Truth Martini this week. But uh, yeah, after commercial, Elgin hits two backbreakers and a sidewalk slam for a two count. We then get the tiniest split screen <laughs> ever showing so this glad, replay. I'm so glad you wrote that down or you mentioned that because I wrote it down. I have, we get side-by-side replays in these tiny little boxes. It's like, so again, the screen, it's this, it's shot in like 16 by nine. So it's shot in widescreen and there's this background covering the whole screen. And then there's these like, like, three inch by three inch boxes side by side one showing the live action and one showing the uh uh showing the replay and then i'm thinking for all those people that went to rohwrestling.com during the commercial break and purchased their ringside membership to get the 20 hours of content that they could watch on their computer screens which at that point there was no chromecast there was no roku you're only going to watch on your computer screen can you imagine watching that on uh, on your laptop or trying to watch that on your phone yeah we this this was crazy uh and then we get two chops and then two super kicks and elegant runs through two chops he's running at uh eddie edwards eddie throws chops elegant runs through it happens the second time 
Uh, and then, as you said, we uh, there's a super kick party going on. Yeah, <laughs> two super kick parties, <laughs> two super kicks. Which and- does, I believe, as long as you get to two, it's a party. <laughs> it's, a party. it's more than yeah. one. I believe and- that's uh, that, that's the rule. Edwards hits a uh, belly-to-back suplex and rotates Elgin all the way over. This sucked. This, <laughs> I hate these moves. You, I, you know me. I am not a proponent of the face jam in any right. way, shape, or form. And this was – so you have the guy up in a back suplex. Your options are nearly unlimited. You can drop him flat on his back. You can go backdrop driver style, mid-90s All Japan, and murder the guy. You can rotate him. And hit a blue thunder bomb. That's a solid move as well. Or if you're Eddie Edwards here, you can pick a guy up for a back suplex and rotate him into an X factor. <laughs> Go away. Yes, not good. Edwards. Sorry, I, I just, oh, it's, it's, uh, that actually might anger me more than the top rope sunset flip because the top rope sunset flip, like, there isn't a really, really cool other thing you could do when you're doing that. Whereas here, it's endless opportunity to do anything better than, <laughs> than this, that, yeah. than the super X factor. <laughs> Edwards to the top, hits a drop kick off the top, gets a two count. Edwards pulls the rope down and Elgin goes up and over to the outside. Edwards, after a few shots... Uh, he does a huge tope, sending oh. Elgin into the barricade, and the barricade be- the barricade becomes separated with the impact. It yeah, it separates that section of the barricade. Fans get knocked over. This is one of the best suicide dives you'll ever see. Not only the impact of uh, of the flying body of Eddie Edwards into the stationary body of Michael Elgin, but then the way they crash into the barricade. Uh, tremendous stuff. Eddie Edwards, that uh, stupid face jam aside, looks phenomenal in this match. Uh, Michael Elgin is is does some stuff well. Some stuff's kind of a mess. But Eddie Edwards looks like a world class professional wrestler here. Yeah, and you know my you know when it came to uh, my choice of American Wolves, I was always a Davy <laughs> Richards guy. You were. And uh, this this Eddie Edwards, uh, I was not familiar with. I was not familiar with singles competitor uh, doing a bunch of cool stuff. Were you more good, familiar Eddie with Edwards. Eddie Edwards in TNA slash Impact Wrestling cosplaying Tommy Dreamer? <laughs> Remember, uh, we saw that. at. A, were you with there with me or no at a Warrior Wrestling show that Eddie Edwards was on? And I hadn't seen him in years. I didn't realize, as I'm someone who was not following... Uh, late 2010s uh, decade impact wrestling. Oh, neither was I. No, I had no idea that Eddie Edwards was now bigger and was wrestling in jeans and a t-shirt and was like being Tommy dreamer. I was not prepared for that at all. This is the Eddie Edwards. I prefer this meaning here on this ring of honor show. Not that <laughs> Edwards off the top misses the stomp to the back. He Ends up hitting a running kick to the chest of Elgin for a two count. There are a lot of running big boots in this match. Oh, yeah. Edwards goes for a clothesline, but Elgin blocks it by hitting the arm of Edwards very hard. I love that block. Yes, it's a great block. That's something when you're a big power guy. Like, love yes. You see that in like Ishii or, yep. uh, or Shingo Takagi matches. Can we also, though, talk about. Uh, this weird moment where there's a forearm battle uh, just a few seconds before this. And in the middle of the forearm battle, we get a three second 
portion of the ROH website video? <laughs> did you notice that? I yes, yes, I did. That was weird. What was that? <laughs> this is a post-produced show. This show aired like a month and a half, almost two months after the show's taped. How did this end up here? Because it, the weird thing is, so they're trading for us. We go to this three-second accidental commercial break of sorts, and then we come back, and they're still trading forearms. And this was not something that's like an artifact of the way they edited this on the upload of the show onto no, the Ring of no, Honor. No, this was service. how it was. This, this, is, this is what it was like. This is the actual broadcast. So weird. Elgin misses two clothesline attempts, and an insigiri by Edwards has no effect on Elgin who turns Edwards inside out with a huge lariat and gets a two count. Fantastic. The best moment of this match from a Michael Elgin perspective by far. He, uh, The way you said is perfect. He turned that man inside out. Both men are on the apron. Elgin tries to suplex Edwards, but Edwards lands on his feet on the apron, hits a super kick, then goes to the top rope. Eddie hits the double stomp off the top, and the crowd loves it. They're going crazy here. Yeah, this was quite the spectacular spot. The uh, the ring apron, big spot to you know kind of carry you toward the finish. That was not anywhere near as overexposed as it you know it is uh, in modern days. You know, some ten years later, and so people uh, people are into it some six hours into the show. In the ring. In the ring, we get the uh, double stomp off the top onto the back of Elgin. The diehard countered into an Elgin buckle bomb. Spinning power bomb countered by Edwards into a small package. This was a bit clunky. Yeah, he tries to get in sort of like a over the, off the shoulders victory roll. Uh, it doesn't quite work, but uh, gets the two counts. And then, yeah, we're, uh, we're hurtling towards the finish. Super kick by Edwards. He hits the diehard and gets the pin. We should tell people what the diehard is because that's one of those move names that you would have no <laughs> idea what it actually is. No. Uh, it, it's the uh, it was diehard Eddie Edwards, so that's why they call this the diehard. But it basically is a, a cross-legged version of the Northern Lights bomb. You, you cross yes, the that's opponent's it. legs, that's it and then exactly. pick him up and drop him, sort of side brain buster style in a Northern Lights bomb. And so Eddie Edwards gets the win. Uh, truth when you say cross the legs though it's like you cross the legs like figure four style yes like like at the ankles almost yes Uh, there's multiple variations of it Uh, wataro in a way uh, used this move in new japan and they called it the staggering blow so after the match roderick strong gets nose to nose with eddie edwards well before that and i i'm sure you may have missed it because it was so ineffective but truth is Yelling at the announcers at ringside. Oh, is he? he is, yes, I did miss this. He is not effective in doing so. Uh, he is then in the ring, and yes, then here comes Roderick Strong. Yeah, Roderick Strong's in. He's nose-to-nose with Eddie Edwards. Nigel then takes off his headset because it's three against one. Uh, it's Elgin, it's Strong, and it's Truth Martini. That so is not three. It That's is not 2. three. point one. 2.1 at most. I'm no math major, but... Uh, that <laughs> You're not is, Scott Steiner. That is not three. Uh, Nigel, however, though, takes off his headset, gets in the ring. He takes off his coat, and the place goes crazy. A huge ovation for Nigel threatening to uh, get physical here. Nigel and Edwards stand off with Strong and Elgin, as the show goes off the air. 
Yeah, that's Ring of Honor Television on Sinclair Broadcast Group. It uh, again, my over my overriding thought is that they had a good format for a show, and they do not have the roster to pull this off at all. It's uh, I love having the backstage stuff. I love having having the magazine segment. Yep, I like getting to hear wrestlers' motivations. But outside of the Briscoes, and, and to a small extent, Eddie Edwards, none of these men had anything to say that actually made you feel like you understood their character, their motivations any more than they did before they started. That's it. Wrestling's greatest tag team did a pretty good job. They were pretty effective. Yeah, uh, that was fine, especially by their standards. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll grant you that. But uh, yeah, no, the rest of the guys, forget about it. I couldn't imagine the rest of the roster like having to well, do this. Well, especially given the fact that like the guys they were trying to push as uh, main event guys here on this show that was formatted to be very talking heavy none of them could talk uh, eddie edwards was okay but he was nothing great davy richards could not talk uh michael elgin not a good promo uh and then you know the, the uh i know obviously jim Cornette wanted to have you know a, a heel manager there's no way in his territory he's not going to have a heel manager that everything uh revolves around but you can't have a heel manager that's even worse on promos than the guys he's cutting promos for. No, we'll jump right to worst thing on the show. There's yes. the worst thing on the show is that this show was built way too much around truth. Martini yes. as the center of the ring of honor television universe. What? That's completely unacceptable. If he had been a lesser character, if he had been a mid card manager, if he had been more of like a, a mid eighties, Paul Jones on Crockett television, you could have maybe handled it more. But everything in the company seemingly was revolving around this guy that you could not take anything seriously that he was in because it was just so, I don't even want to say over the top because that implies like some level of entertainment. It was just, it was just bad. That's, that's the only way you can describe it. Just, it's not, I can't fathom looking around the roster and thinking this is what I'm going to build it around. No. And uh, you know, when I saw him, talking and performing here i immediately had the same feeling i get when i see jimmy jacobs on these ring of honor yes, shows absolutely i'm just like oh like and that's that's the feeling i got big jimmy jacobs vibes and uh, uh apologies as we lose another listener and jimmy jacobs here uh it just but felt it, we've talked about it before it felt like someone playing pro wrestling manager we've talked about someone playing pro wrestler rather than actually like inhabiting the character and being that yeah and it uh but that is a perfect segue to you know one of my favorite things on the show i thought jim Cornette was extremely effective in everything he did and is always a great television personality yes he was he was effective in uh even though this the the nonsensical thing about neither of the teams having a title shot coming out of that match he was effective in explaining that uh he was he was a godsend in that, uh, that inside <laughs> ROH segment yep. with Truth Martini and Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards and Michael Elgin. He was the only thing that held that together. Uh, and so, yeah, he was, he was great here. If we're talking in ring, as much as I enjoyed the Briscoes, I thought that the star of the show is Eddie Edwards. By I, far, I yeah. He looked, my memory of him is not of him being as good as he looked here, but he was so good here that I can't fathom it was just a one-off performance. So I, I almost feel like I need to go back and watch some more of this, you know, through a lens of not being disappointed that this is what ROH was now after the glory years of, you know, you know, two, the early 2000s to 2008 or so. Uh, and maybe even go back and watch some of his Noah stuff as well. 
Yeah. And so, yeah, in the in-ring, you're absolutely correct. Eddie Edwards, followed by the Briscoes. For out of the ring, things that are great. We talked about Jim Cornette, and we, we mentioned it earlier. The broadcast duo of uh, Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGuinness were fantastic. Absolutely. One of the best, honestly, one of the best that we've had, I think, on any TV episode that we've reviewed. Like, you know, Kevin Kelly, you talked about it earlier. He was the professional holding this very unprofessional looking broadcast together. Yeah, and he did a great job. You know, again, we we parachute into these TV shows, and one of the things we look for is how how well did you catch us up? Uh, I knew who all the champions were, and I knew where all these storylines were because Kevin Kelly was able to succinctly do that while calling the match. So exactly, and that's particularly important in real time, not just for us parachuting but in real time as this was the fourth episode of ring of ring of honor television Uh, so at most for a lot of people this was the fourth time they had ever seen a ring of honor and so a lot of things still need to be reinforced you know people need to be brought up to speed and he uh he did a great job it was one of those things where you see him on this and you're like man i i would love to see him calling a great weekly wrestling television show obviously we've been very lucky to have him as the voice of new Japan pro wrestling for so many years now. And he does a great job on that. And I wouldn't want to see him leave, but the format of those shows is very different from a weekly television wrestling program. And uh, I would love to see what he could do uh, with a, a real, real high end product and production uh, in that weekly wrestling format. And we'd like to hear from you, the listeners of this podcast, as you go back through the entire back catalog of this podcast. It's evergreen content. It's fresh just by you listening to it. Uh, It's all there waiting patiently for you. Three seasons now of this podcast. So go back, find events uh, maybe that you would never have watched. Listen to us recap it. Find events that meant something to you. There's a ton of stuff in the back catalog. And uh, if you've gone through and you've listened to everything, you're like, hey, man, that'd be great. I'm current. I've heard everything you've got to say. We love the show. Uh, Good news, there's more. There's more you haven't heard if you're not a subscriber to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash wrestling at random. Or in your Apple podcast feed, you can click the subscribe button. And for a monthly fee, you get bonus content for five bucks a month there is bonus content a whole separate feed where we do a an extra show every single week so we're talking hours and hours of content waiting for you in the bonus content if that bonus content has moved behind a different type of paywall it's all still there it's all still new to you if you haven't been a subscriber if you haven't been supporting the show uh, that's that's where you go and get extra bonus content every single week. And not only do you have the option to listen to bonus episodes, but you have the option to be the randomizer. You can pick a show for us to watch. If there's something we haven't covered, the randomizer hasn't picked that you really wish it would pick or you would, you would wish uh, that we would review, you don't have to wait. You can go to sign up right now for $10. You tell us what show you want to watch. Then you bump down to the lower tier where you continue to get the bonus content every week and you'll get to hear us review the show of your choice. All of that is available and that's the best way to support the show. Patreon.com slash wrestling at random. Absolutely. And just so people know, if you're listening in linear fashion, 
we already have on our Patreon, on our Apple Podcast bonus content, wherever you're getting that content, we already have more than an additional full season worth of shows. We have upwards of 40 plus shows. And if you're listening later, we have even more than that. So if you, uh, to Jeremy's point, if you love this podcast and you know one show a week isn't enough, you're like, man, I, I just, I wish there was a bigger back catalog. It's all there for you. And if you, uh, you subscribe that first month, it unlocks everything. Yeah, you can go nuts and binge it on a road trip. You can go nuts and binge it on a long flight. You can unlock it all for $5 a month over uh, at the Patreon or Apple Podcasts. So, uh, and that's the way that we are able to continue to bring you this free feed every single week free of charge. So, again, uh, thank you to all of the uh, supporters we have there. Thank you to all of our listeners. If you can't support us financially by signing up for the bonus content, that's okay, too. You can support the show by telling your wrestling fan friends about the show. Uh, tell your friends that used to be wrestling fans about the show. And uh, yeah, this just uh, helps spread the word about the podcast. I would not recommend telling Truth Martini about the show. Now, he knows and he's canceled his <laughs> subscription, unfortunately. We lost it's, a listener it's, today. It's the price you pay for being credible and honest with your, uh, with your analysis. So is, what can this, we say? This is very true. And, and so with that, we're going to call it a podcast. So make sure that you, uh, as you go through and listen to these episodes, we love to hear from you. You interact with the show. The best way to do it is via Twitter, at Wrestle at Random, Facebook.com slash Wrestling at Random as well. At Wrestle at Random is also the Instagram and uh, that's where we announce uh, every single week what the upcoming show is we're going to review. So make sure you're following us there. And all of the links I described, the entire back catalog of the podcast, is all available to you at the website, wrestlingatrandom.com. With that, we're going to wrap it up. Adam, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jeremy. I want to thank everyone for listening. Talk to you again next time. <laughs> <laughs>